Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. Under a new CEO and with peak pandemic receding farther into the background, the Consumer Brands Association is going back to the future to focus on core values that, while still priorities in recent years, took a bit of a backseat during the chaos of COVID and the rising geopolitical tensions. Among these are renewed focus on sustainable packaging and improving the recycling system, lingering supply chain challenges, emerging trade tribulations, and ensuring smart regulations. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, CBA's new CEO, David Chavrin, shares how CBA and the consumer packaged goods industry at large are thinking about each of these issues, including possible solutions and unintended consequences that they want to avoid. He also shares where he sees both the industry and the trade group heading and how he hopes to draw on past experiences to help guide them and shape a brighter future. When Chavron joined CBA as the trade group's new CEO six months ago, he brought with him a wealth of experience, including more than a decade at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, where he launched an office focused on technology and innovation, and most recently from a seven-year stint at the News Media Alliance, a nonprofit representing more than 2,000 digital and print journalism organizations, which he says prepared him for balancing the needs of CBA's diverse and large member base. I kind of inadvertently got into the trade association business. I uh, got a, a job. Uh, I had uh, actually drinks with Tom Donahue, who was head of the U.S. Chamber at the time, and he offered me a job while we were having drinks. I'd never done lobbying or communications or any of that stuff. Um, and I figured, what the hell, I'd give it a try. Um and actually started an advocacy program based around capital market regulation, believe it or not. Um, but I had a, a pretty good career at the U.S. Chamber. I was chief operating officer there for a number of years. And then um, I really wanted to, to kind of go do my own thing. And uh, I was offered the position. Uh, it was kind of crazy in retrospect, but really interesting, of representing news publishing industry. So this is New York Times and News Corp and Washington Post, all the way down to a couple thousand small uh, news outlets, uh, mostly dealing with digital media-related issues, technology-related issues, and mostly fighting with Google and Facebook at the time, which I was happy to do, and I considered a good fight to have. Um and you know we uh, I I you know learned a lot and uh, had really great uh, uh, members there. But you're always looking for new challenges. And I was um, uh, approached about uh, about this position at Consumer Brands again, representing you know seventy of the biggest uh, consumer brand companies out there, several thousand brands uh, in particular. And what really intrigued me about it. It was sort of the scale and impact of the industry. Uh, this is, I, I think it's even tough to get your mind wrapped around the ubiquity and and scale of these companies and what they mean to people. It is the, you know, biggest domestic manufacturing segment. Uh, we have, uh, you know, employ something like 2 million people, but more in, in uh, particularly with consumers, 
consumers are not only uh, using our products every day, they're using them every hour of every day and sometimes every minute of every day. Um, you know, we often cite that uh, consumers use 42 of our member products every day. You know, that's on average and that doesn't count when you're sleeping. So it, there's just there's the ubiquity to it um, that both shows it's important to the consumer, but shows it's important to the economy. So that really attracted me. These are important enterprises that are delivering a lot of value to the consumer. Um, and I am relatively new to the issue set, but uh, a lot of them are based on things about, you know, domestic manufacturing, which I'm uh, very comfortable with given my time at the chamber and, you know, things like smart regulation and good outcomes for the consumer. So it's been really great. Um, I, again, I'm very optimistic about the future of the organization, but also the industry segment. And, you know, there are important issues that we need to debate and get conclusion to. So I'm very happy to be here. Within the first six months that Chevron has been at the helm of CBA, he says he's already seen significant changes in the CPG industry as companies chart a path out of the pandemic. He explains many are eager to refocus on core values and priorities, which maybe didn't get the attention that they deserved during the height of the pandemic. As such, he says, CBA is ready to go back to the future. During COVID, a lot of our work was about COVID, right? And, and what I mean by that, not COVID, the, the virus, but you know, supply chain challenges, um, you, know, you know, how to get product to the consumer, dealing with retailers, back, you know, keeping people, but again, this is the biggest domestic manufacturing segment. So how to get people into the, uh, into the plants and into the offices, you know, that, big sort of operational sets of issues related to the business. And as we're exiting that period, you're we're kind of back to the future a little bit in terms of really looking at uh, both growth for the industry and uh, challenges of, uh, for the industry. And the big uh, sort of, and again, we represent essentially everybody in the who makes stuff in the grocery store, if you will. And if you think about what are their big challenges as manufacturers, there's a whole range of things, again, related to supply chains still, although it's a lot better. There's still some challenges there, including some trade-related issues. They make a lot of packaging, right? It's consumer packaged goods, is CPG, and everything related to sustainability and uh, recycling um, is, is a you know, a really important area for them where this is an industry that wants good solutions, good recycling sets of solutions. Um, there are issues related to regulation, uh, good smart regulation, whether it's through the FDA or the FTC. How do we give consumers really good information about the products? Uh, and how do we have a, a good environment for making things here? So uh, we're we're in this moment of sort of moving back to those kind of core sets of uh, uh, of issues that the industry needs to address. We very much try to come out with a pro-consumer point of view. Uh, what is, you know, making sure the consumer has good information and, and good choices. And, uh, and very much looking at it from, we want this industry to continue to be successful 
for a long time in the future. So we need good policies around things like sustainability and the rest. Whereas COVID was a lot about operations, now we're going back to sort of our traditional thing of good public policy. There are a number of sort of micro evolutions that we've promoted in terms of uh, local recycling systems, more transparency to the consumer so they know what to do with it, um, uh, uh, you know, better uh, uh, technology around cycling. So mechanical recycling can actually happen well, um, re- you know, investments in the local municipal uh, systems. You know, one of the challenges, a lot of this is is investment, frankly. And then really allowing for the development of new technologies to move beyond mechanical recycling to actually um, taking product and turn it into brand new product. And there are a couple of uh, test plants being created in terms of the advanced recycling front, not many. Uh, And we're that this is sort of a new and emerging area where we're really pushing the view that we need to have a lot more investment in advanced recycling because that's actually an answer uh, in that you you uh, take product and turn it into new product without having to create new plastics. So, Among CBA's top priorities going forward will be continuing its efforts to improve recycling capabilities across the nation and supporting member sustainability goals, including reducing the impact of packaging. Yeah, so essentially all of our members have sustainability goals and commitments, right? And uh, they all uh, also want uh, to do, sustainability is not only just good for the planet, but they really do view it as good for the business, right? They want uh, shortened supply chains on the packaging. They want access to good, effective packaging. They want to reduce uh, use of plastics, um, you know, all of those things. So they they really have leaned into wanting sustainable outcomes. The challenges are 10,000 recycling systems across the U.S., something like that. Um, the, uh, uh, a you know, talk about patchwork. It's not a, we often talk about patchwork regulations being state by state, but it is community to community. How do we drive really effective recycling systems where product is actually captured, effectively recycled, and being able to be turned into new product? Again, my members want that not just because it's good for the planet, but because it gives them access to feedstock and shortened supply chains and allows them to minimize uh, plastic use. Uh, there, uh, it, it's you know, it's a, it's really hard to get effective recycling across the country, and but we're leaning into promoting that. But also, we have to look at longer term options. Um, you, know, you know, one of the things. People discuss a lot. It's what's called advanced recycling or chemical recycling, which is you take plastics, break it down to the molecular level, and turn it back into brand new plastics without having to create new plastics, right? And making sure we have uh, public policies in the states that really promote these genuine solutions to uh, recycling. So it's a long way of saying ending up with really effective recycling uh, uh, operations, and nobody wants that more than my members, and wrestling, you know, thousands of uh, of local systems uh, to make that happen. 
as part of CBA's efforts to reduce the environmental impact of packaging and invest in the recycling system, the trade group and its members are proactively advocating for extended producer responsibility, a heated issue that Chevron says has created some misunderstandings and some misinformation. You know, there's a view of using EPR as ju- to punish people who utilize uh, plastics and not, and and not really uh, not really drive to effective uh, recycling solutions. What we want is effective recycling. So let's focus on that and figure out the best way to get there. You know, the one of the things I think is gets lost in a lot of these debates is my members are really trying to solve three sets of problems. Um, one deals with the immediate consumer value or promise. You know, there could be nutrition on the on the uh, uh, food side. Uh, you know, pet nutrition could be you know, effectiveness when you're talking about uh, personal care products or household products. You know, there's a there's the product doing what it's meant to do. But there are other there are two other things consumers really care about. One of which is convenience. It's it's got to be there where you need it and available. And a big another thing is cost value. It's got to be affordable. And my members are trying to solve all three problems. And I think too often in a lot of these debates, people don't like to talk about the other two, right? They want to discount convenience and value. And, you know, we don't have the luxury of doing that because the consumers don't do that. (laughs) Consumers value convenience, consumers value cost, and they also value the, what, what the promise the product is delivering. And so in this space, you know, we want to get to much more sustainable packaging, minimize use of plastics, but also understand consumers want the product where they want it and they want it at an affordable price. And we need partners who are helping us solve all three of those things. Chevron explains that CBA has worked with the industry to create what it says as a set of guiding principles for an effective ERP. These include improving the underlying recycling system, dedicating new funds raised through ERP to recycling improvements and not governmental general funds, basing change on accurate data and science, including more than one source of funding and not letting those funds replace or supplant other sources, allowing for an industry-funded and run producer responsibility organization, promoting uniformity, and finally bringing everyone to the table. CBA also wants to support consumer education and understanding about the recycling system through additional information provided through its smart label QR codes. It, it is a highly effective way to, to take people to kind of a world of information about the product, um, including, and we're very much hoping to expand smart label in this regard, guidance for consumers as to how to best recycle uh, the product, what's in what's in the packaging, how to best recycle it, uh, and uh, you know, in addition to everything else you might imagine, like nutrition or uh, you know, chemical composition, and the rest. So, um, I you know, we're we're all about consumer transparency in every dimension, but a big part of solving the 
recycling challenge is just, I mean, it's super confusing for me. I mean, it's super confusing for everybody trying to figure out what, uh, you know, what do you put in the recycle bin or not? And, and we want to make that information as available to people as possible. Beyond recycling, CBA is supportive of member companies that Chevron says are leaning into regenerative agriculture as a way to make their businesses and the industry overall more sustainable. I, I, a bunch of my companies, but I mean like General Mills or Pepsi, they're 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 very much leaning in on the regenerative agriculture side and have been supporting it. Think it's important for the future. I don't think it gets talked about enough. Um, uh, you know, whenever we talk about sustainability, we kind of quickly go to plastics and packaging, which is really important. I get that. But, you know, where the food comes from is also really important. And, you know, they, my members wouldn't be investing in it if, it, if they were just worried about the next quarter. They're, they're trying to build businesses. Most of the, many of these brands are a hundred years old, right? And so when you run those companies, you feel a, obligation to make sure they're set up to be there 100 years from now. Beyond enhancing sustainability, Chevron says CBA will focus on resolving lingering supply chain challenges and protecting against potential trade complications that could arise from proposed tariffs on tin plate steel. Supply chain broadly is is a lot better than during COVID. So, you know, we're, uh, that's a plus. Yeah, there's still Delays at the ports. It seems like we were able to avoid a strike there, but that's good. There's, uh, you know, on the trucking side, there are a number of things we can uh, do to improve. You know, so there's kind of core supply chain stuff that's just long-term growth and investment. Um, there are immediately some trade issues that we're faced with. Uh, the most, the, the one facing us quickest is a proposed tariff on tin plate steel. Now that sounds esoteric, but uh, the fact of the matter is any uh, thing you get in a can, um, and we're, uh, it's not aluminum can, aluminum has its own set of tariffs, by the way. So everything in a can has tariffs uh, potentially attached to it. But anything like soup, you know, beans, paint cans, the rest uh, have tin plate steel. And there is a steel manufacturer in Ohio, Cleveland Cliffs, who is pushing the idea that there should be a major tariff on tin plate steel that would uh, raise the cost of that packaging by up to 30%. Now, again, if you're at an objective layer, if you look at like a can of soup, um, you could say, well, you know, extra 30 cents, what does that mean? Well, it, it first of all, ma- matters a lot to people who, for who are depending on that soup for nutrition. And certainly anybody who's buying more than one can of soup. So it's this, it really kind of, it's a tax, a can tax, if you will, on the consumer. And we're fighting that hard. And that's with the uh, Department of Commerce currently. And we're pushing back hard against that. We also have longstanding tariffs on aluminum, which we think are uh, misguided. And, And there's all of the, uh, a number of things related to packaging where, again, the effectively the federal government is taxing, uh, uh, you know, cans that uh, create a whole range of challenges for uh, our producers and really do end up being supply chain challenges because, yes, some of this product is imported, 
but that's primarily because there are not domestic sources for it, right? So they're they're faced with a choice of having to import the product and uh, and having increasing costs attached to it. CBA also has a packed regulatory agenda as it hopes to help shape quote smart changes in the oversight and packaging, including labeling, to help better protect and inform consumers. At a very macro level, we've pushed for FDA reform, and particularly around human foods program. It's uh, for an agency whose title begins with food. You know, a lot of people don't know that, by the way. A lot of people think it stands for federal. (laughs) Uh, But for an agency that starts with food, they've got a super diffuse, uncoordinated, uh, approach to food regulation that uh, if you're a producer is both kind of all over the place and doesn't give you much at all predictability. Uh, we were supporters. There was a, a report from something called the Reagan Udall Foundation on reform of the food regulation system that we've been supportive of. The, you know, the commissioner, I think, has gone part of the way there on FDA reform, or we'd like him to go further. But there's sort of a macro thing about they need to have a structurally better approach to human food regulation. Um, and then, uh, again, on the FDA front, um, you know, there's going to be a number of uh, discussions over the next year about labeling, front of pack labeling, what kind of information is uh, is uh, helps the consumer and what uh, ends up confusing the consumer. And we're, you know, so we're going to be arguing for real clarity there in terms of uh, labeling regulation. So we are, we are all for getting information to the consumer. Um, the, you know, the FDA uh, is has announced, you know, they're in a process about testing various other kinds of representation to the consumer, you know, uh, in, they call it either interpretive, like in different colors, red lights, green lights, or pluses and minuses are a range of different sort of add-ons, words, high, low, the rest. Um, and uh, first of all, we just think this gets really complicated really quick. Uh, and it can get super confusing uh, really quick for the consumer. And I think if you see in other places, Europe, Canada, Mexico, when you see uh, testing around what consumers get from these interpretive options, a lot of times it's confusing. Doesn't mean it, it doesn't mean they're all bad or it always has to be confusing, but, you know, let's stay focused on the, the uh, consumer and the, and the best outcomes. The FDA is currently in a process of, essentially doing market testing of various kinds of interpretive symbols. Um, we, you know, our thing there is to just do it in a, uh, a thoughtful, disciplined uh, way and, you know, don't rush through it. Um, you know, there's some oddities attached that some of the consumer testing they're doing, it's all online, uh, but they also, uh, note that they want to make sure to reach out to vulnerable communities. Okay. So those things aren't necessarily consistent, right? The, yeah. The, we think the FDA should take its time, not try to rush through this and find those best outcomes that really tell the consumer exactly what they need to know. So it's kind of messy right now. We're kind of in the middle of it. Um, but again, we start with 
we are absolutely committed to providing whatever facts the consumer wants and needs. We currently have products that do a lot of that. If there are improvements, we're all for talking about uh, improvements. Um, but also, let's make sure that they're accurate and not confusing and provide good outcomes for the consumer. CBA also is actively involved in FDA's review of the definition of healthy and FTC's review of the so-called green guides, both of which speak directly to the core values of the trade group's members. Finally, Chevron says he wants to help CBA at a higher level tell the big story about consumer packaged goods industry's impact on consumers' daily lives, the economy, geopolitics, and more. One thing that we need to do um, is kind of what I say, tell the big story. So I think uh, people, and by people, I mean not only consumers, but policymakers in Washington and others, don't really understand the scale, scope, and impact of the consumer products industry. Uh, you know, for many, many members of Congress, the biggest manufacturer in their district is, is one of my members. Um, the, it is, you know, this is not, uh, uh, an area where you're importing a lot of finished products, right? There, we make it here. We employ people here. We ship it here. We deliver it here. We deal with consumers here. And telling that, I think it's, it can be surprising to people <laughs> telling that bigger story about, you know, who what the industry actually is. People people know the brands, but they don't really understand the scale and scope of the industry. So I want to spend more time telling that big story about uh, who we are, because I think it's important for people to understand that and also understand all that goes into taking something from a farm field and delivering it to you in your home and a great product and, and all the and systems and investment and everything else that goes into that. With that, we have reached the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you will join me again in the future. And to help you remember, I encourage you to subscribe. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week. <music>